The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out How many save the dates? The first series Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find. We were Welcome to the voice. Voices of Search podcast and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Tyson Stockton. Hey, what's going on? My name is Tyson Stockton from previsible.io. Joining me today is Jonathan Gillum, who is the founder and CEO at Originality.ai. Originality.ai is an advanced AI content detector that is highly effective in identifying plagiarism in texts generated from popular large language models, including ChatGPT, GPT-4, and BARD. It offers comprehensive tool set that empowers content creators to maintain the integrity of their work. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Yesterday, Jonathan and I talked about Google's view of AI-generated content, and today we're going to continue the conversation discussing trustworthiness of reviews in a generative AI era. All right, here's my conversation with Jonathan Gilman, founder and CEO at Originality.ai. Jonathan, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me back. It was a fun chat. Yeah, so yesterday we hit fair amount of the basics, how's Google viewing this, understood a little bit more on how originality.ai and just in general detection or AI detection tools are working. But today, we're going to dive a little bit more into like some specific aspects or more of how generative AI is playing into different spaces of it, of SEO. And to start us off, like, 
trustworthiness of reviews. Like, what are you seeing or what have you found in looking at as generative AI is becoming more and more adopted? Like, how is that playing into and having an impact in the review sector? Yeah, so I've been sort of fascinated and and sort of being kind of background in SEO and content marketing, definitely sort of nerds about testing things out. And it's been really sort of interesting to use our technology around identifying if content is AI or, or human created, and then exploring where generative AI is impacting the world. So where is it being used? Is it being used in Hollywood writers? Is it being used in reviews? And what we've seen is specifically in reviews, just a massive spike as soon as ChatGPT came out. So our detectors, so specifically to share some data, we've been sort of detecting like a two and a half percent of AI generated reviews, which is in line with our false positives. So our detector sometimes gets it wrong. So pre ChatGPT is like two and a half percent. So basically showing none. And then an uptick when GPT-2 came out, a little bit more of an uptick when GPT-3 came out, but still at like 8%. And then when ChatGPT launched, of all reviews on Captera, 30% were AI generated as soon as ChatGPT came out. Wow. Okay. Let's pause on that one real quick. So run me back through the timeline. Like we went from the pre-era 2.5%, let's call that just the relative norm. And then what were the stages? Because I mean, I don't know if I was to guess this, I was going to probably say maybe 15, 20% like to me, like 30% already seems like fairly steep. Like not that I'm surprised it's being used in this case, but more of that, it's just already reached that threshold. Yeah, it's a pretty steep incline. Very steep incline. I would have said the same thing that you said, where I was like, I would expect an, an incline. That's not what we saw. We saw a step, cha- an immediate step change to peak usage. So we went from, and this was across 3,000 review data set that we got going back five years. And so it went to 10%, GPT-2 to GPT-3 had about 10% usage. After GPT-3 came out, it slowly increased. And I think that is a function of sort of Jasper becoming more popular. And some of these writing tools, they needed to connect into the API and then market. And none of them ever had like some massive successes, but never none of them had this sort of the viral, the global adoption, virality, free usage that ChatGPT had. And so it's sort of pre-ChatGPT, the highest month was around 15%. And then immediately after ChatGPT was released, it jumped in November to 30 and then December to 36. And then the highest, and it's, it's come back down the last few months, but the highest was in like a April timing at uh, 37.5% of all reviews on the site were AI generated, were suspected of being AI generated reviews. Any theories? Like, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's like speculatory in nature, but you said there was a little bit of kind of like a lull or like a softening or a decrease in that. Like, any ideas of why or where that would have came from? Yeah, I, I wonder if, I don't know if sites are responding. And we've seen this with some other review sites where others, the sort of immediate spike, and then there's been a, a bit of a decline. I don't know that answer. Could be that the sites are, sites are trying to combat it. There's sort of a two to three times higher probability that a extreme review is AI generated compared to a average review. So a two to four star is less likely to be AI generated than a one star or a five star which is sort of interesting, but what would lead to the lull? I don't know yet. We're still playing. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's just guess on my side or hypothesis of this, but I mean, 
to me, I would see the risk of these review sites having that high margin. I mean, even settling back here at 37 seems really aggressive because again, back from our conversation yesterday, what validity, what value, like what does that offer the end user if so many of these reviews are not genuine or not actual reviews, not say everyone's review (laughs) should be taken with a lot of weight. But yeah, I mean, I could see a huge risk and yeah, even knowing 37%, it's pretty substantial. (laughs) Yeah. So I think the Turing test is sort of a fun framework to think about this in, but you know, the Turing test basically says you have a human behind a wall behind one door and you have an AI behind one door and they give you information and you'd be able to tell the difference between the two. And when you can't, then, then the computer has passed the Turing test. And we're certainly sort of, I think, past that stage, but also, you know, I think we all have the experience when we're reading reviews online of like, ah, do I trust this person? That has gotten infinitely harder when 37% are, you know, extremely well-written, extremely convincing, made-up reviews. Right. It's going to be a whole new application of your product as far as just, can I trust this review or not from that standpoint? Have you done any other or studies? Like, what else are you seeing on, like, the application and how the world is, you know, viewing this. Yeah. So one that was interesting was looking at Hollywood writers, seeing if they were using generative AI, especially during the strike. They were not. That was sort of interesting, but not from an SEO standpoint, not super relevant. One thing that we've been looking at a lot is the AI bots and how publishers are responding to AI bots. So what we've looked at is... OpenAI's bot, GPT bot, Google has launched Google Extended, which is their bot that is being used to scrape the web to train their AI model. And then the common crawl bot, which is building a data set that is used by the majority of LLM developers. And so what we've seen is in the two months that since OpenAI came out announcing how to block their GPT bot, which scrapes your websites, and then consumes that information to train their LLM, we've seen about 25, 27% of the top 1,000 websites blocking the OpenAI's bot, which is interesting because it opens up sort of a a question for SEOs to answer on blocking your IP from being used without you being compensated versus what about if ChatGPT continues to, to sort of thrive, what about you're now excluded from a traffic source? And that's why we're seeing, I think, Google Extended blocked at a lower frequency than GPT bot. I would assume that, I mean, early, early stages, and it'll be interesting to see how OpenAI progresses from this standpoint. But yeah, I feel like there has been a little bit more of an effort on Google's side, at least like within the SGA experience of getting some attribution of like the sources from it. A couple of just kind of follow-up questions on the study. Now that 27%, is that blocking the entire site or blocking just like a directory, like would a partial, like, hey, we don't want it looking in this one directory, would that still count in the 27 or like, where does that lie? Yeah, so those 27 are full blocking and the majority are either blocking all or blocking none. And we saw almost none that are doing partial blocking of the bots. And they've communicated themselves that they will not crawl anything behind a paywall. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. 
You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Okay, I mean, I guess I can have some of the partial block. I mean, I would assume there would have been more partial, like a blanket, I'm not going to let it crawl, like seems, I don't know, rather extreme, I guess, depending on your business, <laughs> but... I think it's partially the tool too. Like, you know, robots.txt has been around for... I don't know, 20, 30 years. And that's the technology that is still being used to sort of request, because I mean, there's no block, like in the method of blocking, there's no rule. There's no definitely no law that says you can't scrape the site. The robots are text. It's like a sign outside of a nightclub saying, you know, here are the people that are not, are not allowed to come in, yet there's no bouncer, no lock. It's just like, please don't come in. Yeah, it's like giving that directive, which is also kind of crazy that it is still just a TXT file. <laughs> it's like... How do you create this? Uh, just pull it up and upload and you're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And then another clarification question in the study. So you said top 1,000, is that sorted by traffic? What's kind of like the ranking for that? Yeah, by or organic traffic. Similar to like a bunch of websites out there have lists. Our list came from, yeah, data for SEO. com has a, has a top 1,000 list that's, that's focused around the sites by traffic. And the 27%, again, that was for OpenAI or that was also for Google's? As of two months after GPT bot came out, there had been already before that about 5% had been blocking common crawl before GPT bot came out. And GPT bot came out, announced it, sort of made more people aware that this was a thing that they should be thinking about doing or evaluating the pros and cons. 27% have by after two months of it being live had blocked the GPT bot. Common crawl had gone from 5% being blocked to 15% being blocked. Anthropic hasn't come out with any communication about the name of their bot, but some people have sort of looked at the logs and found the name of the bot. And so then now there's like 5% of people are sort of like, maybe they'll listen. Yeah, just like a, a hope and a prayer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it also, I don't know, it reminds me of a debate I got in probably like four or five years ago where I was yeah, speaking with like one of the large like global SEO agencies and they had a big event and we were doing a presentation for them and we were talking about featured snippets, different changes that were happening like within the SERP page. And 
a few of the ICOs in the room were being like, yeah, no, I don't want to be in that position because then the user is just going to get what they wanted from the page and not actually click through. And it kind of took me back and I understood like, yeah, you could have different strategies from this, but you're not removing that presence. And if you're deliberately, hey, I'm not going to play in that space, you're also losing some of that just branding, name recognition, awareness, and giving the space up to a competitor for it. And I don't know, like I know that there would be, depending on the business type, some very valid reasons to block, but yeah, still 27%, like an all or none seems like a pretty drastic measure. And I get, hey, it's my proprietary information. I don't want to give it up. But still, it seems, yeah, it seems like it could be a risky scenario to just say, like, I don't want to play in this very clearly developing space. Agreed. This is of the top 1000 sites. So if you were to make a list of the sites that are less dependent on Google, these are probably some of these sites. You know, does is Amazon dependent on Google? I mean, they certainly don't want to not get that traffic, but are they as dependent on a publisher that is gets 80% of its traffic from organic and might be outside of the like big website, but might be outside of that 1000, similar to Reddit? The answer might have changed after their doubling of traffic from the helpful content update, but you know, it, it, how many people are going directly there compared to going there via search? And I think we've seen that even recently in sort of an unrelated, but talking about totally removing themselves from search if Google is not going to compensate them for the data. And so I think these sites are all trying to respond to this changing world from block. And I think a lot of them too are, this is a, I think we've seen this from a companies that have blocked even chat GPT usage within their company. There's sort of the default position that a lot of big companies take is risk off. And then they look to apply a nuanced solution that works for them, given all their sort of high, more complex considerations, you know, like, you know, where SEO is thinking about like traffic from Google, that's our jam or any search engine, but by traffic from Google, you know, in the case of New York times, there seem to be, they came out very publicly and said, we're blocking GPT bot and we might be suing open AI. And I think there's probably some, it was one piece of a sort of business transaction that they're trying to push through to say, if you're going to access our stuff, how are we going to get compensated? And that's, they made that publicly and threatened the lawsuit. And I think that was all sort of part of a, part of a play that goes beyond just their SEO considerations. It's a great point too, that you made on the sample set for this, like being the top 1000, like, I think that's an excellent point. I'm sure if you took a different subset or like a random selection of URLs, you're going to see a very, very lower piece on it. And yeah, I mean, it is interesting and I see both sides on the perspective of it. Assuming open AI seems a little aggressive, but I don't know. I mean, that's, I guess New York Times is an interesting one too, because to me, it still kind of baffles me when you click on an article within the SERP and then you go to the New York Times and then most of the articles blocked behind the paywall and it's still like a top ranking like article. And it's like, to me, it's like, well, that's not a great <laughs> experience. This was not a very helpful experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, great. I read the top and then realized I didn't, couldn't read the rest. But anyways, digress on a separate topic. Any other kind of final thoughts or things that you'd like to share in regards to this uh, with the listeners? 
It's an interesting time. If anyone has any interesting questions that they want to sort of use AI detection technology to help answer, we are always eager to participate in studies, participate in sort of a deep dive into understanding how how generative AI is impacting the world, and especially the world that we care about, which is which is sort of SEO, content marketing, web publishing. So yeah, we're we're always eager to geek out with people on this topic. Excellent. And with that, that wraps up this episode of the Voice of Search podcast. Thanks again to Jonathan Gillum, founder and CEO at Originality.ai for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Jonathan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can visit his company's website at Originality.ai. Okay. Thanks to Tyson Stockton, our guest host. If you'd like to get in touch with Tyson, you can find a link to their LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact them on Twitter. Tyson's handle is Tyson underscore Stockton. Or if your team is interested in SEO consulting or organizational education, you can always head to their company's website, which is previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. But that's not the case anymore, thanks to Ahrefs. Because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to voicesofsearch.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. Music.